Well, hey, I asked uh, my buddy, um, I think I can call her my buddy, Janary Caps. Okay. So we're buddies because we have hung out for a while, mission trips, going to church together. And if you've ever been to their house, beautiful. So I asked her, would you bring one of your beautiful vases today? And she did, and she was, she was concerned about it because she even kind of bubble wrapped it, you know? Well, isn't that pretty? Okay. I asked her to bring one with a big base because I didn't want it to fall. If you guys have been to Seattle, there's a place, and it's kind of popping up all over our country. They call them smash houses. Smash houses. And so you pay $33, and they give you 15 items. You go through a room, and they give you 15 items to choose from. <clears throat> and then they give you a baseball bat. <laughs> I don't want to go, I'm not going to hit it this way because I don't want glass to fly out, okay? All right, so safety first. So I'm going to hit it this way. So, Mom, I'm 54 years old. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Actually, you know what? Actually, I, I do honor my mom and dad, so, yes. But wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun? Just to, like, take this. And, oh, I don't, I don't choke up. I don't choke up. You know who has a good swing in this room is Avon Whitmore. Avon's got a good swing. Um, wouldn't it be just fun just to be able to go, bam? Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Well, you can pay $33 in Seattle. And actually in Seattle, they call it um, the Rage House. I don't want to talk about rage today, but I thought that would be really fun. So we're just going to leave that there. I'm not going to break it. Okay. It's beautiful. Why do I bring that up? Because I want to talk a little bit about this morning. You know, we're talking about prayer, and we sang that song. Thank you, Ashley, for leading um, the Lord's Prayer that we actually sang. But we're, yeah, so sweet. You guys feel the presence of the Lord when Ashley leads us? Amen. Yes, good job. Yeah. Ashley needs to know that. Yeah, so she's gifted. So, all right, enough, enough said about you. Okay. So we've been talking about prayer and, and, and the Lord's Prayer, and, and prayer is really, really important to God. I mean, really important. How important is it to God? Well, there's kind of a couple of scenes in the Bible where Jesus smashes stuff. And if you read those passages out of context, not understanding what, what's happening in the bigger picture, it can sound like, man, was Jesus angry? Or he was angry, because the Bible says we can be angry without sin, because Jesus did not sin. So he was in righteousness, frustrated with what was going on in the temple. And so I want to set that picture up for you a little bit, because prayer is important to God. It's really important, so much so that he said, hey, I'm going to clean this place out, and I want to make this, I want to remind us that when we gather as God's people, it's a place of prayer. And so I want to set that scene. So it's probably one of Jesus' highlights. If you have to pick a highlight in your life, just think through, hey, what's one of my highlights? Yes, I, can, I remember that. I would say this is probably one of Jesus' highlights is when he 
came into Jerusalem, and they put him on that colt, and then he rode in, and people actually honored him. They laid, blank, they laid their coats down, they put palm branches down, and they were shouting praise to him. I think that was a really cool moment. Now, the people were doing it out of a, kind of a twisted motive because they were thinking that he was going to deliver them from the Romans. They didn't have the bigger picture that Jesus, as he brought his kingdom, as he ushered his kingdom in, it was a spiritual kingdom that he was going to set us free. And so they were laying down their coats, and, and they were singing all this stuff. They were saying, Hosanna. They said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest heavens. And they said this phrase, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. And now we're going to go back to that in a few minutes. But blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. They were saying the Messiah is here. He will rescue. The rescuer is here. He's going to rescue us. And they were giving him praise. And it's at that moment, they bring him right up into the temple. It's this huge, massive thing going on. And Jesus, it says, he walked into the temple and he looked around. And he saw how disgusting it had become. Because people were being ripped off. People who were genuinely coming to connect with their Father God were being ripped off. They're being, because you had to use a certain type of money in the temple, so there's money exchangers. And they wouldn't just say, okay, you give me a dollar, I'll give you a dollar. It was like, you give me five dollars, I'll give you a dollar, is what they're saying. They're ripping people off. So that was happening. The other thing that was happening is they, you had to provide back then, before the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, Old Testament said you had to provide an offering. You had to bring something to the offering. Well, if you're a city person, you're not just walking around with a lamb or a dove or whatever. You had to purchase that. And so it was like going to a movie theater and buying popcorn. They were ripping you off. Oh, it took you guys a while. Yeah. Yeah, it was, they were being ripped off. And Jesus walked in and saw all that going on. And then he went home and went to bed. It was the ultimate Undercover Boss episode. Anybody watch that show? Undercover Boss? I used to watch it a lot because it's just fascinating. The multi-billionaire CEO, he or she will dress up, get all and you can't recognize them, dye their hair, cut their hair, fake beards, all this stuff, and then they go into their businesses and they see what's happening undercover. And the episodes, the reason why I kind of stopped watching, because they're kind of all the same. You, you have the really nice employee, then you have the really mean employee, and then you have the employee that made a mistake, but they want redemption you know, and so, and then they interview the employees at the end and they bring the boss, not undercover anymore, but boom, right there. This is what was happening. Jesus walked in, the ultimate undercover, God in human flesh, in the temple where people were trying to connect with him. And we as people had, we were ripping people off. And Jesus went home and went to bed. But it's the next morning that he shows up, and he smashes the place up. And I just want to read that passage to you this morning. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I always encourage you to bring your Bibles to church because there is going to be a day you show up here and these great things that we rely on are not going to work. 
<laughs> and I don't know about you, but I don't have these hanging from my ceiling in my house. And so I need to know in my Bible. So if you need a Bible, we have an usher and usher. And now, so raise your hand. But we're going to be in Mark this morning just for a few minutes. So it's important for us to be able to like, dig through and try to figure out where is Mark? Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're in Mark chapter 11 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you don't want a Bible, we have it here for you. And I'm going to try to read it right out of here. Mark 11, verse 15. So we've set it up for you already. We're not even going to talk about the fig tree that Jesus had a conversation with. and That's called a teaser. Read that yourself. Verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. So Jesus... Showed up at the temple the night before, saw all that was going on, and then he went to the next town and went to bed. And then so then he came back to Jerusalem. Okay, so it's not very far. It's just like a suburb. It'd be like if we're in Seattle and you go, Jesus went to Skyway for the night and then went back. Okay, kind of that's what happened. All right, so Jesus is there. He saw the courts and began driving those out who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the, and the benches of those who were selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. So what was happening was the temple was built, is massive. If you've ever seen pictures of the temple, it's huge. And it's right in the middle of the this, this city. And so they have streets and stores and all that stuff like this. And it became a really cool shortcut. I don't know about you, but I'm all about shortcuts. Like if I can go through a few back roads to get me there one minute faster... You know, then I'll do it. And I know other people in this room and not in this room that do that as well. And so that's what had happened. They had become, it had become a shortcut. So they were going through the place where people were trying to connect with God and make and pray and, and hear from God. And they're, they're desperate and, and bring their sacrifices and bring their hearts before God. And, and people are carrying stuff through as a shortcut. Not, they weren't there to to praise God or even be there, or they didn't, want, they didn't want anything to do with God. All they wanted to do is, I, I wanted a shortcut. And so they were cutting through, and so that's why it says here that Jesus stopped those who were trying to go through it and just using it as a shortcut. So he, he knocks over the tables. He knocks over the benches. He stops people from, from making it a shortcut, and then he says this. Is it not written that my house will be called a house of prayer. prayer. A house of prayer for just those, no, it's a house of prayer for the all nations. Here's, isn't that cool? It goes all the way back to the promise of Abraham that, that God said, hey, I'm gonna bless, I'm gonna bless you. And I'm gonna bless many nations, not just your people, but I'm gonna bless many nations through you. And I think sometimes we forget that, that as, as the called ones, as believers in Jesus, that we're not just being blessed for us to be blessed. But God blesses us so we can turn, turn around and bless those around us. That he wants us to be a blessing just as he's a blessing to us. And so he said, my house will be called a house of prayer and not a den of robbers. That's how important prayer is to Jesus. That he was willing to say, hey, I'm gonna, 
literally turn things upside down and make them right. Prayer is really important. So he gives us this incredible model, this incredible outline. In my office, I have a book. Um, I have one book in my office. Um, no, I have a book. And, I, and I, when you ever go and you want to buy a book? You're like, I don't know if I should buy that. I do that all the time with books. I was like, oh, I won't read it anyways, but it looks cool in my bookcase. So. Um, but it's Christianity for Dummies. You guys ever see those books? You know, like Cooking for Dummies, Driving for Dummies, Computers for Dummies, Cell Phones for Dummies, Smartphones, yeah. And so I have this book. Actually, I think the one I have is Christianity for Idiots. <laughs> so, same thing. It's a fantastic book because it talks about everything that we love about following Jesus, and it just makes it, it explains it, it makes it really easy. That's what Jesus is doing with the Lord's Prayer. Many of us have said the Lord's Prayer over and over and over through the years, and we sometimes just glaze right past the depth and the richness of that outline that Jesus has given us. And he starts off the very first line of the Lord's Prayer, I'll let Eric find that for me, verses, verse 9. And it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The children of Israel had captured the aspect of God who was hallowed. The aspect of God who was holy. In fact, the name of God, they, they couldn't even pronounce. They wouldn't even spell out. They left all the vowels out of it. Because it was so holy and it was so precious. And it was, uh, we, we don't even want to say the name. They had the holiness and the almightiness and the all-powerful God figured out. And Jesus, right out of the gate, blows him out of the water and says, Our Father, this God who is holy, who is amazing, who is all-powerful, the God that the stories that they, would, they, they heard from Grandma and Grandpa about going out into the desert and the mountain is literally shaking and thunder and lightning and on like crazy, and it just wasn't a volcano going off. It was like the presence of God was there, and people were terrified. That's the God they knew, and Jesus comes and says, that God is your dad. And so Jesus is introducing this whole new concept of this God that you thought you knew, you really don't know. He's your dad. And that brings, I know, that brings up a whole slew of things about our dads. Can I just say he's the perfect dad? If you had a good dad, then you know. If you had a bad dad, then you still know because you know what you want in a dad that your dad wasn't. Can I speak to the dads in the room? It's not too late to be a good dad. It's not too late. So if you've messed up as a dad, it's not too late. So you just have to humble yourself before your kids and start over. Yeah. It's tough to ask your kids for forgiveness. But the right thing is tough to do sometimes, isn't it? We have this amazing dad in heaven who loves us and cares for us and forgives us and, and lets us make mistakes and then picks us up and dusts us off and 
Then he asks us to do it again. And we fall a hundred times, and he says, well, it's 70 times seven, so you still have a whole bunch more to go. <laughs> and so we just do. That's the perfect dad. And, and then Jesus goes on, and the passage that we want to focus on this morning a little bit is verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, something that we've heard, we've seen, we've talked about over and over and over. But if we really unpack this verse, we could spend a month on this verse. On just We could talk about just your kingdom come. Let's talk about what that looks like. Or let's talk about God's will. What, is, what does that look like? And what, what would it look like if that really happened here, this side of heaven? It's really interesting when you start studying and thinking through and praying through and, and looking at history, Jesus was really specific in this prayer. And so, again, they knew the holiness of God and they knew that part of God, but they didn't know the tenderness and they didn't know the, the personal, they didn't know the, just the depth of how much God really does love and care for, for them. They didn't have that side. And then Jesus, right after that line, he says, your kingdom come. And for us, like, okay, that makes sense. Jesus was in heaven. He left that place and came here. He knows what it was like up there. He wants what's going on up there to be here. But it goes back to that line that they will say later. Now, this, so just to give you a context on timeline, the Sermon on the Mount is very early in Jesus' ministry. And then the story I just told you about him going into Jerusalem and, and tearing up the, the temple a little bit happened late, late in his ministry. But that line, your kingdom come. So what would the children of Israel pray often? Almost every time they prayed, it is said by many of the rabbis that you always have to mention God's kingdom come. In order to be an effective prayer, you always had to mention God's kingdom come. And then you always have to mention the Messiah, the rescuer who would come. In order for be, to be in a successful prayer, you have to mention those two things. And what does Jesus do here? It's not very successful because there's no mention of a Messiah in this prayer because what he's saying is when he says your kingdom come, what he's saying is the Messiah is here. This is the exact words that they would pray. They would say the kingdom of your Messiah come is what they would pray. The kingdom of your Messiah come. And Jesus says he leaves the Messiah out because... He doesn't leave it out because he is the Messiah. The Messiah is right there in their midst. The rescuer, the savior is right there in their midst. It's his voice saying, your kingdom come. And it's interesting, a few years later when Jesus would come in, that we just talked about, he would come into Jerusalem and they were chanting and they were singing praises and they sang that line, blessed is he who is coming, well, let me read it exactly, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. So even a few years later, they couldn't quite grasp that Jesus was truly the Messiah. They were still waiting for Messiah to come. They just thought Jesus was going to save them from the Romans. They didn't understand that he was the Savior of the world. Jesus, in their midst. Incredible. The rescuer was here. And Emmanuel, 
Emmanuel, God, the, who they had prayed for. And it's not, it wasn't just a Christmas thing. It wasn't just a December 1st through December 25th thing. Or if you're like me, I still have my Christmas lights up on the outside of my house. And they're on, sorry. I was thinking last night when I drove home, I was like, I probably should take those down on Monday. But they look cool because they're blue and they're like Seahawk colors. And so, but Andrea just said it. It's over now. <laughs> So, okay, Andrea, I'll take my Christmas lights down tomorrow. (sighs) Verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ever wonder what it would really be like if this was true? Okay, let's not look at big picture. Let's look at small, small picture. Let's just look at your life. Let's look at my life. What would it be like if this was true about me in my life? What would it look like for this to be true about you in your life? Well, for me, I need to look at what heaven looks like a little bit. And heaven is... (laughs) It's indescribable, really. I mean, poor John. John shows up. He sees this vision, and, and he, he goes, and I can't, even, I can't even explain all that stuff about John. You know, he's in prison. He's out on a walk on a Sunday morning and, or Saturday morning, and um, Jesus shows up. And John falls down as, I mean, it's his best friend, but John falls down as if he was dead because he he was so terrified. Because he saw Jesus, like, he'd only seen Jesus one other time, and that was on the, at the transfiguration, and he falls down, and and Jesus shares with him and says, hey, get up, it's me, it's me. And he has this conversation, and he gets a glimpse of heaven, and he starts talking about heaven, and it's the perfect wakeboard water. If you're a wakeboarder or water skier, any water skiers? Hey, don't be ashamed if you're a water skier. If you're a water skier, raise your hand. There you go, Pam Olson. Good job. Pam's a good water skier. She's a slalom water skier. Okay, I'm on the two, just chilling, but she's no. Wakeboard water is perfect. You ever drive like I love? I love taking the I-90 bridge. When I'm when I'm going to Seattle, I intentionally. We'll take the I-90 bridge, and you just go, and if it's a little windy some days, one side of the bridge will be a little wavy, but then the other side of the bridge is like glass. We call it glass. Well, that's one of the descriptions of heaven. Around the throne of God is this water that's like crystal, perfectly still. And there's elders, and there's other thrones, and there's angels you can't even count, and then there's these four unique creations that surround God's throne, so much so that John has a really hard time describing what they look like. There's there's kind of an ox man thing with four wings, and one thing I could probably promise you, and I can't promise you, but I can probably promise you that we'll never go through the book of Revelation. (laughs) I will make an official declaration to call Pastor Alex out of retirement to go through the book of Revelation, and then I'll take over at John 3.16, okay? 
It is an incredible picture, and, and these incredible creations, I don't, call, I don't want to call them creatures, I want to call them creations, yeah. are worshiping God 24-7, and they never stop. And they just say the same thing over and over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, if we made that a song and we sang it for about 30 seconds, many of us in this room would say, all right, I'm done with that line. Let's move on. But can I, I want to remind you that that repetition like that in, in the right spirit, in the midst of worship coming from our hearts, we can sing that for a long time. And it won't even touch in the eternity of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Our repetition and praise doesn't bother God. It really doesn't. It bothers us. I've got some really close friends um, that we both, we all love Jesus, but we choose to worship him differently. I could totally, in the midst of worship, like, I could worship for hours that way. Slow songs even. I like the slow songs where I could just soak marinate, because I like to barbecue. I like to marinate in God's presence, and I can just be there for hours, where some of my friends are like, nope. In fact, I, I want to re read my words out of a book when I sing. I want to just sing a couple lines and then be done. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's just our expression of worship. It's our expression, but I just want to encourage us that repetition like that doesn't bother God. It usually just bothers us. You know, if your kids ever pray, when you're, when you're raising your kids and they always pray the same thing, and you're like, hey, it's time to move on here from over the lips, over the gums thing, and let's move on, right? No, that doesn't bother God. Can you imagine when you're, when, like when you're having a conversation and I'm, I'm just kind of stepping back into the whole kids thing again because my, my kid is going to turn 30 and couple weeks, and, um, oh, <laughs> yeah. the day you show up at church, you correct me publicly, that's great, okay, <laughs> yes, he's going to be 31, wow, I've been telling everybody the last few weeks you're only 29, well, good for you, <laughs> 31 years old, 31 years old, so, They've got this precious, and you'll hear me talk about her, but she's two years old, and they're a little daughter, and so we babysat last night for about four hours, and I'm exhausted, and because um, she's like, zing, 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 and I'm like, I could barely move this way, and she's already back there and back, so I just kind of stationary, kind of predict where she's going to be, and then try to get a five-minute head start, and, but you know, when you're having conversations with a little one like that, it doesn't matter what they're telling you. It doesn't matter what they say. It's precious. Yeah. It's so pure. It's so, I want to just say holy, right? Well, that's what God, I mean, that's what God says about us. You, when you pray to him and you're like, I don't know what to say. Just say what comes from your heart. Say what you know, right? He's not like, oh, you forgot that word. You didn't mention kingdom or Messiah. 
I'm not going to listen. No, he listens. Prayer is important to God. That's why he gave us this incredible model. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What would it look like if, our, if heaven would really come here? Well, the Bible says that, and I've got them coming down my face right now, that there's no tears. That's pretty cool. I don't know what I'm going to do in heaven. <laughs> right? That it's an incredible place, that there's a peace, there's a, I mean, you can't describe it. That there's healing? Come on. Right? I can move my arm, my shoulder, and it doesn't pop or crack or hurt. I smell like a box. I sound like a box of cereal when I stand up because everything cracks and, you know. None of that's there. Now, I know this side of heaven's different. I understand that. But God still does offer healing today. Doesn't always, and I'll say this, he doesn't always choose to heal us. But he can and he will in his time. But what would it look like if heaven was here? And what, if, what would it look like if God's kingdom was established here? And what would it look like if God's will would be done here? Well, I think it would look really different. And that's what Jesus is saying. Would we pray this prayer? Would we be, be bold enough at Renton Christian Center to pray this prayer over ourselves, but also in supplication? And supplication I was just trying to come up with a word that started with S to line up with soup. Next time it might be prayer and pasta or prayer and pie. That would be fun. All of us would come for that, right? I just, you know, so, but supplication is a, just a word. It literally means to, to like beg, to desperately ask. And that's what supplication is. And so what we're doing is God, we're, we're desperately asking God's kingdom would come. As we walk through neighborhoods and what, what God would just speak to us. And one of the things, like for me personally, I was walking around Northwood and, um, and I serve over there one day a week and, and hang out and they're just awesome kids. They're, they're junior hires who think they're 30, but they're still 12. And they are so bored because they have everything that this world has, has to offer them. I would say most of them. They have the fashion. They have the games. They have the cell phones. I mean, they order Uber Eats while they're at school. I mean, come on, really? I've never done Uber Eats. I eat, but not that through Uber. You know, they have everything. They are so bored. And so as I was just walking through and I just was, the Lord was just saying, pray that they would see me through their boredom. I mean, they've literally, this is crazy for us, but at junior high, they've tried everything. Many of those kids have tried everything already at 12 and 13 years old. And they are lacking. And so God, God just put on my heart, pray that they would find me through their boredom. That they, you know, they've tried everything and now they're like, okay, what else? And so that they would see me, and that they would know me, because I am their Messiah. 
And I have invited them to my kingdom, to be part of my kingdom. And that's what God wants. That's so when we read this prayer, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. It is literally we're asking for the divine to show up here and to be in charge here. There is no doubt in heaven who's in charge. In a good way. Right? There is no doubt. But down here, ooh, it's weird. There's that word again. Who's in charge? Oh, I don't know. I don't like who's in charge. Well, I want this person to be in charge. I'm not going to follow that person. I'll follow this person. So nobody's in charge. What would it look like if God's kingdom would reign here? And that we would look to him for our everything. Later on in this prayer or in this message, Jesus would say in verse 33, he would say, You've looked at everything else, and you worry about all these things. You worry about what you're going to eat. You worry about your fashion and what you're going to wear. You worry about paying your bills. And I can think there's many of us who are like, yes, yes, yes. Maybe not all of us in this room have had to worry about what we're going to eat next, but maybe some. Maybe none of you have ever had to worry about what bill to pay next. That's a tough place to be. And Jesus, later on, after praying this prayer and, and teaching us how to pray, he says, seek first the kingdom. So his kingdom come, right? God's will here be done. So Jesus says, seek that kingdom. Ask for that to happen here. And when we do that, what does it say? All these things will be given to us. That, what, what he's saying is, if you seek me first, and again, that's so cliche in the church. Oh, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Say, I even want a little King James on you. Unto. Because I memorized it a long, long time ago. And it becomes so cliche and easy, just, it just rattles off. But man, if we really dig down, if we really seek him first then everything else will take care of itself. Now, I will say this. It might not take care of itself the way you want it to be taken care of. Like, all right, Lord, I'm going to have pancakes again tonight. I really want a T-bone steak. But I'm going to praise you that I have pancake mix today. I remember newly married and a little young one and things were tough. Hey, guess what we're having for dinner tonight? It's oatmeal. We're going to make it fun. We're going to put raisins in it. I mean. <laughs> no raisin people, raise your hand. Okay, I see that hand. Okay. Now you just have to do it, right? But praise the Lord, we had oatmeal. Probably to this day is one of my favorite meals to have for dinner is to have breakfast for dinner. Yeah. Hey, we have eggs. We're going to fry up some eggs. We're going to, we have Jimmy Dean sausage. I'm not getting any proceeds from Jimmy Dean, but I'll just say it. Jimmy Dean sausage. You know, just whatever we have. Praise the Lord. We have, we have something to eat. It's huge. So when we seek first his kingdom, when we ask for his kingdom to come and his will be done, he just takes care of everything else for us. 
And that's what Jesus is saying here, is I want you to know that I've got you, that I'm taking care of you. And we can worry about all this stuff, and it, worry is not going to get us anywhere. You're just going to spin your wheels and be stuck if you worry. And I can, I can sometimes be a worrier. Nobody else in this room probably. But seek first his kingdom, and, and he'll take care of everything. He'll just take care of everything else. Amen? Let's stand together. Prayer is important to God, and it should be important to us. So I encourage you, I mean, sometimes when you're like, okay, I need to pray today. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what to say. Well, just say what comes to your heart. And ask, seek. Here's a radical one. Just be quiet. Hey, I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to say anything out loud. I'm just going to listen. That's what I did yesterday. I was like, God, I don't know how to pray for this community. I don't know anybody in this community across the street where I was walking. So I was just quiet. And the Lord was showing me some stuff. It was really cool. So sometimes just being still and being quiet. So I want to encourage you to start off your day in prayer. Before you even get out of bed, your alarm clock goes off. And after you said a few of those words, then get right with God. Okay? And um, even before you get out of bed, I want to encourage you before you go to sleep at night. Um, every night when I go to bed, um, I fall asleep in the presence of Jesus because I pray as I fall asleep. And I just fall asleep. I'll pray, pray in the middle of the day. Um, get paid to pray. Hey, you work at um, wherever. Get paid to pray. I was talking to our our precious uh, male person, Susan, and she was just so frustrated with world, the world and, and um, the evil. And I said, isn't it cool, though, that you have such a cool job that as you drive through neighborhoods and as you open mailboxes and, and walk up to people's porches and place things, you can, because she's a believer, you can pray for those neighborhoods as you, walk, as you drive through. And she came back like a week later, and she was like bright-eyed and said, and that wasn't me. That was, just, that was just the Holy Spirit giving her a word through me. Does that make sense? And she said, that has changed my life. Because now I have a purpose as I deliver packages and, and mail. We have purpose as, a, as the church to pray for his kingdom to come and his will be done. And not just be in general. I, can I just invite you to be very specific and pray for your neighborhood specifically by name? I live in Fairwood Crest. And so this morning I was praying for Fairwood Crest by name. I've never done that before. I just pray for my neighbors. Okay? And so let's take it a step further. Can you pray for your neighbors but pray for them by name? So here's my conviction for me. I don't know all my neighbors' names. Okay, so whose fault is that? It's my fault. So then I need to get to know my neighbors' names. Even, I'm, I'm supposed to pray for my neighbors that I don't even like, who park on my grass. 
and who just yesterday put this huge utility trailer right there. That's who I'm supposed to pray for by name. I want to challenge us as a church to pray what Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my life, God, in my life as it is in heaven. So, Lord, that is our prayer today, that your kingdom come, that your will be done in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. God, in this church, your kingdom come, your will be done, Jesus. Just like it is in heaven, there's no doubt what is going on in heaven. God, I pray that there would be no doubt what's going on down here because you're in charge. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And before we go, can we say the Lord's Prayer together? You ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Hey, have a blessed week. Hey, bring some fun food for next week. Pastor Alex is going to be sharing about give us today our daily bread. Bring some good daily bread next week. Amen.